0: Amen. Thank you, gang. Go ahead and be seated. Well, I have to tell you, I, what a great, great crowd on spring break. That means we're all broke, I guess. We can't, we can't go anywhere. I'm glad that you're here, and I want to take a moment to, to welcome our guests. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. I'm, okay. I can't tell. i got a little bit of a head thing going on. I've always had a little bit of a head problem, you know. But uh, there we go. I can probably monitor. Something. There we go. I can hear myself better. Well, I want you to take your Bible. And I want you to go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 11, okay? I hope you brought the word with you. And uh, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Let me tell you what I want to do, gang, for the next three weeks, okay? Uh, probably not the... Now I'm echoing, aren't I? Oh, yeah. Uh, probably... <laughs> there you go, Steve. Probably not the, the greatest subject in all the world. Again, I want to talk to you about the downfall of King David. And I want to talk to you about the struggle that that David had, maybe alert ourselves to some of the uh, challenges of life. I think one of the things that I want to be sure you get out of this three-week series is that even when we fall, God in his grace can always restore us. Our falling in grace helps us to be restored when God gets through dealing with us in our sins. Now, the story of David and Bathsheba is pretty much well known to all who have ever spent any time in church. A mighty king makes a terrible decision. Many people suffer because of it. And worst of all, God's glory takes a hit. And yet, let me tell you, I believe it's a story worth telling to the church from time to time. First of all, because of a warning. And the Bible says we need to be careful when we think we're standing, we may fall. But the second thing is that every mm-hmm. time we see God in His holiness, we always see God in His grace. And let me just kind of tell you where I'm at. I, I I actually struggled with the Lord on this. I felt in some respects like Jacob wrestling with, with God. I I just finished the series on... On 2 Timothy chapter 3, the end times, my heart immediately began to move toward Hebrews chapter 11, the, the roll call of the faith. Talk about faith, living by faith, and picking out some of the characters. And, and for the first couple of days, man, that's all I was focused on. And it was like God began to pull me away from that, and God began to, to draw me away from all of that. And I said, God, I don't understand why you would want to go this direction. First of all, it's tough stuff. Okay. Secondly, it's spring break. Everybody's gonna be good. We don't know what's going on? Satan. Not look not that you're Satan. Okay. What do we need to do? Is this not working? This one? This one here? Okay. I got all day, man. I'm cool. Yeah, I know you want to go. Yeah, I understand. All right, can you guys hear me? Is that better? i tell you what let's do. Uh, let's pray, okay? Uh, I, I God, God's going to have to help us. Satan's going to oppose us. Maybe that's what part of this is. Father, Um, you know I wrestled here. Uh, I don't like this kind of stuff. But, Father, I believe that this is what we're supposed to do, and I don't know why. Uh, Perhaps this week or over the next couple weeks, God, uh, you're going to say something to someone, not me, but your spirit, that's going to save them from making a stupid decision. Perhaps there's some dear people here that are hurting because of a silly and bad decision and you want to bring some restoration to their heart. God, I I believe I'm obeying you. I feel intimidated, frankly, and I know the enemy's against it. And God, I don't know what else to do today, Uh, even with this already this disruption, except God, we bow before you. And God, you help us to get what we were supposed to get from this, to apply it to our lives. God, I want to protect our families. God, I don't want wives to go through, I don't want children to go through what so many wives and children and husbands are going through. And so God, I, I just ask you to help me today in, in these next couple weeks, in, in Christ's name, amen. The The story of David is what we're going to talk about this morning, okay? We're going to see, and I'm going to share some things that I, I think led up to a uh, tragic mistake that he made. We're going to read some verses where God let him for a, a one year play a cover-up game before God ever confronted him. And then when God confronted him, it was at that point that David repented. And it was like the dam broke. When, then, when the dam broke, confession came. And he just pours forth pent-up anger and pent-up pain and he goes back writing songs again. And so over the course of the next three weeks, today, 2 Samuel 11 and 12, next week we'll be looking at one of the songs that he wrote discussing the burden of sin, and then the next one we'll look at a song he wrote on the blessing of forgiveness, okay? Some of you are too young, but I remember President Nixon in the Watergate years. Most of you remember President Clinton through his disgrace. When Nixon went through his, and when President Clinton went through his, I I found myself wondering, I wonder what's going on inside of those guys. What's going on in their soul? They tried to stand tall. They tried to act right before the people who elected them. They tried to be stoic. They tried to act like all is well. But you see, we never got to see the inside of those guys. The story of David's different. We have it all laid out before us. How would you like to have your life on a video shown to not just the church, but all of humanity? God deals differently with David. He takes his life and all of his mistakes and he lays it out there before us but then god allows us to see david's restoration david was a great guy he was a great leader in israel i want you to know that 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 david loved god he had a heart after god the bible says he loved God. And yet he failed so miserably. He made such a bad decision that affected not just his life, not just his family, but dear people, it affected a, a whole kingdom. And I think today what we've got to do is we've, we've got to deal with it. I think a church needs to deal with it. And I know it's an intensely human story. I know that when teachers are forced to teach it in their class and and, and God calls preachers to preach it from the pulpit, I know it makes people uncomfortable. Some of you are going to be uncomfortable today. It makes people close their eyes and bow their head and shift nervously in their seats. Because people know that what David did It's not out of the realm of possibility for their own lives. Oh, it is a most despicable thing that David did. But people do despicable things, such as life. None of us are immune. I thought it was kind of ironical that when so many of the arrows were pointed at and shot at President Clinton, some of the shooters were having their own issues. We just didn't know it came out later you know and so we have to be careful that we don't forget God's grace that we don't forget that God is the giver of grace and dear people we must not forget that what happened to David can happen to every single one of us men this isn't about you but men what David did can happen to you, ladies. What David did can happen to you, and there's a lot of fallout when that takes place. Second Samuel chapter eleven. We always stand in honor of God's word. Let me just tell you, we got a pretty good passage to read—a long passage. I understand if you can't stand, but if you can, I'd invite you to do that right now. Second Samuel chapter eleven. Um, i tell you what, we'll probably just read the first five verses, and then I'll talk about some of the others in that chapter, and then we'll look at chapter 12, okay? 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. Then it happened in the spring, at the time, which is significant, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, But, the Bible says, and that's significant, David stayed at Jerusalem. Now, when evening came, David arose from his bed. He walked around on the roof of the king's house. From the roof, he saw, that's significant, a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? The wife of Uriah the Hittite. David sent messengers, and here's significant words, and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanliness, she returned to her house. A woman conceived, and she sent and told David and said, I am pregnant. Why don't you go ahead and be seated? I'll. Probably better to do that. Let me talk a little bit, and we'll come back and read some of chapter twelve. If you know the story, or if you were to continue reading, what you would find is that when the news came to David, can you guys hear me okay out here? I like to walk. Okay, is this working now? Still not. I'm uncomfortable with this, but I can't sit still. Um, Gee Willikers. Thank you, brother. All right, I'm going to put it back up here in a minute. When word came to David, what we find is a a, a panic take hold of him, okay? And so he begins to scheme in his mind. Sin does that. Well, we're popping, aren't we? I'm so sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Sin does that to us. He begins to think, what am I going to do? How am I going to cover this up? So he brings Uriah the Hittite, home. And the idea that he has is he'll come home from the war. I'll send him to his house. They'll do what husbands and wives do. And there'll be a cover up. No one will know. Yet everybody already knew. But we'll cover it up. So he brings Uriah the Hittite, one of David's mighty men, a, a man who was who was full of integrity and full of courage for the king. He brings him home, but his integrity won't let him go home. How can I go home? How can I lay with my wife when my men are in battle? So David concocts this idea, let's get him drunk. But he still doesn't go home. David's in a pickle. So David, in this sin cycle writes a letter. The letter is to Joab. Hittite carried the letter that doomed his life. David says, put him at the front. Withdraw the men so that he dies. The very letter that killed Uriah was carried by Uriah. Verse 27 of chapter 11, the Bible says this, When the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house. She became his wife. She bore him a son. But notice the Bible says, but the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. From verse 27 to chapter 12, we find a 12-month period. And I'll address that a little bit later. Chapter 12, verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and he said, There were two men in one city, the one rich, the other poor. The rich man had many great flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he he bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children. He would eat of his bread drink of his cup, and lie in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man, And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and he had no compassion. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, It is I who anointed you king over Israel. It is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, David, I would have added to you many more things like these. Look at verse 9. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. You have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, who ultimately would be his son who rebels, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all of Israel under the sun. Verse 13 is packed. It seems so quickly, but it's more than that. It's a full repentance. I'll talk about that. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given occasion of the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. So Nathan went to his house. Beloved, I want you to use your imagination with me for just a moment. Can you imagine what it must have been like living in David's kingdom? David had united all of Israel. David was at the top of his game. He was 50 years old, he had been king for 20 years. The kingdom was relatively safe now. It was filled with the worship of Yahweh. There was singing and there was laughter. There was worship. Everything was moving the way a kingdom with a godly leader was supposed to move. And then sin hit the kingdom and all knew it. And the laughter grew silent. And the singing grew silent. And worship stopped. For one year, David tried to cover it up. He tried to go through the motions. Brazingly he sits on the throne but now instead of laughter and singing and worship there's quietness and staring and whispering. You see people don't know what to do when sin abounds. People are unsure what to do when the glory of God departs and joy departs. And singing and laughter departs. The spirits of the people dry up. Especially when you have a king who has a heart after God. And the king's spirit dries up. In the year that, that David tried to cover it up and try to act like things were normal. He wrote no songs. He was called the sweet singer of Israel. And in that year he sang those songs. Oh beloved it's always a long year. When a singer. Loses his song. In 1 Kings 15, the Bible says, David did right in the sight of the Lord all the days of his life, except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. His adultery led to murder. Murder of one of his mighty men. One of his men who daily put his life on the line for the king in the kingdom. Now I want to ask a question. How did it happen? What led David to this kind of disgrace and this kind of pain in his family and kingdom? And I, if you study the life of David, we probably could come up with 10 to 15, maybe different things. Let me give you three for just a moment, okay? The first thing I think is this. He had a passion that he could not conquer. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, we read that David had realized that the Lord had established him as king. And then it says David took more concubines and wives. Now, I know when you read the Old Testament, you think that it was okay to have multiple wives. It doesn't say that. In fact, who would want more than one, huh? You know? But in Deuteronomy chapter 17, listen to what the Bible says. Your king shall not multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. You see, as David's harem grew, David's lust grew as well. And he never got a handle on it. He never conquered it. It fueled his passion. It wounded his heart for God. Oh, dear people. Be careful what fuels your passion. Be so very careful what fuels your passion. David was a man of passion. He had a passion for God, and that was good. But he had a passion for women, and that was bad. He had a passion he could not conquer. Second thing is he had a power he could not control. Power has a way of corrupting good people. David the warrior had conquered his enemies. He had the admiration of a people, an endless supply of you fill in the blank, an endless supply of everything he would ever want. Yet he had a distorted vision of his power. And power does that to good people. Perhaps he got to thinking that indeed now he was a great man. And he forgot that only God is great, and only God is the giver of great gifts. Not only did he have a passion he could not conquer, he had a power he could not control. But, beloved, look at 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. He had a pride he could not contain. It's kind of striking the way it's written here. It happened in the spring when kings go out to battle. That David stayed in Jerusalem. In fact, it's, it's, it's a strong contrast at the end of verse 1. But David stayed in Jerusalem. When he should have been with his men in the trenches. When he should have been wearing a sword. When he should have been marching in the front of his band. He found himself with idle time on his hands. And his eyes began to roam. Many a man has gotten into trouble. Because of wandering hands and wandering eyes. Boys, be careful what you do when you have idle time. Many a man has been ruined. Many a family has been ruined because a man ceased to be engaged. God created us to work. God created us to do things. God created us to stay busy. God created us to be engaged with that which is most important. God's glory in our family's good. David somehow disconnected from the call of God on his life. And when he should have been doing something, he was on a roof looking. The Bible says he had time. Time can be so bad. The Bible said he saw. Seeing can be so bad. The Bible said he took. Taking can be so bad. And the speed of sin took off so fast. We find a man who has a heart after God falling. And so great was his fall. Interesting, isn't it? He had time, he saw, he took. Huh? Also interesting, isn't it? That God gave David one year to repent before he acted. Imagine with me a little bit. Can you imagine what that year was like? His heart burning in conviction because of the cover-up. Wondering what his people were saying as they now stared in hushed talk instead of laughter and joy. Wondering what his troops were thinking as they were out on the field dying for the king. Wonder what they were thinking. More importantly, that whole year, David was wondering what God was planning. You see, he loved God and he knew God good enough. That God doesn't allow people to get away with sin. Your sin shall find you out, the Bible says. And he knew God was going to do something. You see, it's always a long year, isn't it? When a singer loses his song. So caught up in his cover-up, he lost accountability. So caught up in cover-up, he forgot his responsibility. He was spiritually out of sorts. He didn't even know. That when the prophet of God came and, 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 and told him the parable, that the parable was about him. I want you to look in, in chapter 12, beginning verse 7, and as I talk, just kind of let your eyes gaze over beginning chapter 12, verse 7. If you'll notice five times, God says, David, I did good for you. Five times, David. I did good for you, I did good. And David, if that wouldn't have been enough, I would have done much more. Whatever you wanted, David, I'd have done that for you. And four times, and there's an understood you four times, God said, you did bad for me. Five times I did good for you, four times you did bad for me. And David didn't even know it, people. Such is sin. We forget the blessing of grace. And we've, forget the giver of gifts. Finally, it hits him. Finally, he proclaims publicly what he knew secretly. And finally, the dam breaks and repentance flows. The Bible says, Godly sorrow worketh repentance. And even though there's only one verse given to it, and we'll have to explore these Psalms over the next two weeks, David repents genuinely. And now the songs begin again, and my, my how, he begins to sing. I mentioned earlier, y'all, I've always wondered how he felt on the inside when he tried to cover it up. I wonder how he felt when finally he breaks. And finally he was able, like a river of confession, pour it all out. Well, if you've ever sinned. And you've finally gotten to the point of breakage. You know how we felt. Finally, you realize God takes that sin away and restores through grace his love to you. Now, beloved, I, I want to encourage you to, to be with us over the next couple of weeks. We're going to see some very precious words. And we're actually going to explore some pretty deep theological truths. Let me close with another question. What can we gather, then, from today's lesson? I struggled with that a little bit because, first of all, I didn't want to do this. I wanted to talk about Hebrews 11. What is faith? Talk about Moses and Abraham and Noah. We're going to start with Noah when we finally get there. I, that's a, so I struggled. said, so God, what in the world? Why would you have me do something like this for people? What are we, good can we get out of a lesson that explores a dirty Despicable thing. But let me tell you what I jotted down. I'm going to give you three things. We're going to put it up on the, well, not the blackboard on the screen for you. Okay. Number one, and listen to me, gang. Sin damages your character. Sin damages your character. David's character took a hit, and it can happen in a moment. And it can happen to anyone. Sin dulls your sensitivity. Sin diverts your responsibility. Sin almost makes you think, this isn't really me, it's another person I don't even know. But it is you. It slams your character. Secondly, sin destroys other people. So you may be caught up in the pleasure of sin for a moment, And you may not even think about what it's going to do to those you love the most. Sin destroys other people. Innocent people suffer when we sin. Uriah the Hittite, one of David's mighty men, was guilty of one thing and one thing only, being loyal to a king. And it cost him his life by the king. Others, by the way, died in that battle as well. Uriah wasn't the only one. We talk about David killing Uriah. He killed several men as they withdrew from the wall as they were fighting. Bathsheba's first child died because of no fault to that little baby. Because of David's sin, a child died. Bathsheba's father, Eliam, her grandfather, Ahithophel, were all part of David's inner circle. As you begin to read the Bible, you, you begin to realize the hit that especially Ahithophel the grandfather took. When you read the Bible, you see that Ahithophel actually rebelled against King David and went with Absalom David's son and rebelled against the king. It kind of tells me you don't mess with your grandkids, somebody's grandkids, you know. You can mess with the kids and get a little bit of anger, but you start messing with my grandkids. I'll break of your face, huh? Ahithophel <laughs> uh, never got over the fact that King David had violated his granddaughter. And he rebelled against the king, and ultimately he died. You see, dear people, sin damages your character, but sin destroys innocent people. And there's one other thing that I think even is more important than all the rest. If you look at chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, sin dims the glory of God. I think, while there's only worse, one verse given to the repentance, I want to tell you, I think chapter 12, verse 9 and 10 was the thing that got David, got David. You see, David loved God, right? And here the prophet of God said, David, you've despised The word of the Lord. And then in the next verse, he says, David. God says, David, you've despised me. And David broke. The word despise means to scorn. When someone loves God, and someone says, you've scorned the word of God, and you've scorned God himself, it'll break the chains around the heart. In fact, verse 14 says, you've given occasion for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Now, we know what blaspheme is. What you may not know, it stems from a root word, which means to blossom up. God says, you've given the enemies of God an opportunity to blossom up against me. Sin damages your character, people. Sin destroys innocent people, people. Sin dims the glory of God, people. So what do we take away today then? What do we take away? Well, we're going to put it up on the screen for you. Sin brings a tragic cost. Sin has a high price tag that none of us can pay. That's why we need grace. Next week, we're going to see the burden of sin. We're going to see how sin affects David physically. Sin will do that. We'll see how sin affects David emotionally. Sin will do that. We'll see how sin affects people spiritually. Sin will do that. And then after that, we're going to see the joy of David restored. Affects, consequences, consequences. Yeah, he had to carry him all the rest of his life. His kingdom was never the same. But I want to tell you, God forgave him. And God restored him. And we're going to see that as well. I thought after we got through with 2 Timothy, we'd lighten it up. If you don't like this, it's God's fault. But such as it is, we'll deal with it. Let's pray. Stu's going to come, and I, I realize this is incredibly difficult stuff, dear people. And I realize that uh, now that we go into a response time or what we call invitation time, it's not easy. I understand that. But you need to look at your heart. You need to be sure where you stand with the Father. We'll be here to pray with you if you need that. If you have another decision, we want you to know we'll help you all we can. But be sure today you explore your heart. Jesus says, out of the heart comes the issues of life. Father, I, I, I love you so much. God, I, I wondered about Clinton. I wondered about Nixon. But, God, I have to tell you, I know what I'm capable of. And I'm thankful, God, for some reason, somehow, you have guarded my heart. And you let David go this way. And, and, and God, I, I don't think anybody's ever loved you more than David. And yet, how great was his fall! Maybe today, God, there's some people here who are really battling some of the issues of life. I don't know. God, I want to pray for them. I want to challenge them not to go the way of sin, but, God, I want to help them understand that your grace is always sufficient. And if there is sin, your grace, your pardon. Your deliverance is greater than our sin. That's why there was a cross. That's why Jesus died. Because grace is greater than sin. And you're the only one that can give grace. May we understand that. We commit these next few moments, God, over to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand for just a moment, if you would. pure seated, I realized what was wrong with the mic. I got out of the first service and tucked my earpiece down in my pocket, and I forgot to put it on my ear. So, Luke, Luke, I'm the devil. <laughs> Patrick didn't pick it up. No one picked it up. It's in my pocket, man. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's in here, man. Yeah, it's, when you get old, things go away. All right. Listen. Let me. uh, Mark's going to come. Mark's got something he's going to share with us,
1: and so Mark's going to share that, and then I'll share our decision with you. Morning. Um, Well, uh, I've been kind of uh, on a bit of a crazy journey last, uh, really, couple years, um, and uh, wanted to come and share that with you. Been here. um, I moved here in June of two thousand seven. Never had ventured into the state of Arkansas before. And you guys welcomed us with, uh, with open arms. And um, God has been working on us uh, pretty specifically for the last uh, couple years, really the last couple months. And I uh, wanted to say that I'm proud to announce that God, is, uh, God has called my wife and I to plant a church in Columbus, Ohio. And so, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, we're absolutely scared. Um, we don't know how to plan a church. Um, I don't really know how to do youth ministry. I've been doing that for about nine years. I'm still figuring it out. So um, definitely would, would ask you to pray with us on that. Um, but just over the last six months, God has used a couple pretty big miracles in my life. Um, uh, honestly, about one a month um, that he's been using to kind of you know slap me across my head and say, are you paying attention? Are you willing to step out on faith? Um, so much so that back in October... Christy and I had a conversation uh, where she kind of confirmed to me that she saw it, that she was down with it, she she was ready, uh, and so you, you can imagine that that as a guy, as a husband, I was I was pumped up about it, I was excited, um, and then God threw a test down on us because the very next day we found out we were pregnant with our third child, so uh, it was kind of one of those. Um, you know, okay, are you willing to follow me? And we're like, yes, let's go. And then a third child comes, and we're like, whoa. So I had a conversation with my wife and she said, no, we're, we're called and, and, and that's what we're going to do. So um, we, um, we believe that God is with us. Um, we know that he's called us there. Um, the city of Columbus has about 2 million people. And uh, for every uh, one uh, SBC church, there's 18,000 people. And so, uh, tremendously unchurched, and so we're going to uh, follow the call, understanding that he's with us and that he's equipping us to do that, and, uh, and we're going to get in the fight. So, um, would love y'all's prayers. Um, along with the excitement that we're um, following a call, there's the kind of the bittersweet sadness part of it uh, from leaving you guys. We've been here for seven years, and uh, we knew when we came here that we didn't want to leave very soon uh, we, I don't know how else to put it. If it weren't for a call on, on our life to plant a church, we wouldn't be leaving. Um, we're far away from family. We know, we know that strain. We know that tension. Um, and, um, you guys have adopted us as your family. And so I just want to thank you for that. Um, I hope that you won't reject me. <laughs> if we come back, you know, i that you, won't. but, um, I just, I just want to thank you. You know, when we were far away from family and Easter came around, you had us over for lunch. Um, when our kids were growing up, you were there to watch the first steps and hear the first words. And so we just want to thank you. We love you guys so much. And um, we know that we're not going without prayer and without love. So we just wanted to announce that. It'll be this fall um, that we're heading out. So we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy this summer, last couple months. Beach camp will be kind of our last, our last hurrah. So. Anyway, just wanted to thank you guys for all the love and support that you've given us over the last seven years.
0: The only thing I can say is Yankee, go home, hey, man. <laughs> y'all be seeing for just a moment. Christy, where are you? Is Christy? Come on up here, Christy and Mark, stand beside me if you would. You'll be hearing we'll be having some things between now and when we kick them out the door. But uh, the first thing is, Mark has just done an incredibly good job. He's indelibly written himself and Christy herself on many of our kids and many of our families, and we're going to miss them, and I can't tell you how excited I am, though for them to follow God's call, to plan a church, and for us to be part of it and be excited about it. And we'll be a partner with him. And what a great, great thing. And so I praise God, Mark and Christy. Why don't you guys stay up here so our people... We'll have some more of this later on. I mean, we'll get tired of you real soon. But uh, we'll have our... I want our people to come. Elizabeth, come and stand beside me. This is Elizabeth Brown. And Elizabeth came down this morning and said she wanted to give her life to Jesus Christ. And so Elizabeth is now... Trusted the Lord and Amen. Excited about that. Okay, uh, when we dismiss, I want you to come and tell Mark and Christy that you'll be praying for them and congratulate Elizabeth on on uh, God's uh, grace in her life. Guest, good to have you today. Thanks for coming. We'd like to invite you to come back and you pray, guys, for the next uh, uh, next couple weeks that maybe God can help us as we walk through uh, the delicacy of, of David in his life okay all right tonight all we have is experiencing god and wednesday nothing is that right okay when i get to the back you can split but don't you move till we get to the back
2: all hail the power of jesus name the wonders of his grace our savior been reborn Every prodigal called home We crown you We crown you Grace and mercy you have shown We crown